0: Hi, everybody. I'm Sunny, and this is We Gotta Talk, a live weekly digital talk show and podcast where we like to dig deep. Real talk, big topics. Now, let's dig in. Hey, guys. Welcome to this episode of We Gotta Talk. I am so excited about today's guest. I am a major fangirl. If you recognize the phrase Hey, girl. Hey. And as, as soon as she laughs, you're going to love it. and recognize the voice. Taylor Stryker is here today, host of the Taylor Stryker Show, Taste of Taylor podcast, and so much more. Taylor, thank you so much for being here.
1: Hey, girl. Hey. I'm so honored for you having me.
0: I like We have a very great, neat, cute story. <laughs> Do, how does it feel to come face-to-face with your stalker is my it's question. Like my
1: It's actually my favorite thing in the entire world. I actually was just out last night So my voice is even raspier than usual. I'm like very hungover today, but I sometimes like thrive in my hangovers. But last night, my wife and I, we met our friend's baby. And then we were like, let's go to Marie's crisis in the city. So we were standing in line and it's like a very long line. You have to wait forever and ever. And um, we started talking to people in front of us. And this girl, like after like five minutes, she was like, I recognize you. Are she was like, You're Taylor Strecker? And I'm like, yay! It's like <laughs> my favorite thing when I meet like people who listen to the podcast, the show, whatever. I it, like my hey girl, hey girls, like always shout out to me because it's like the greatest feeling in the
0: world. Oh my gosh. Well, your vibe has is and always just has been so welcoming, so like, it's just a refreshing change from, I think the other types of celebrities we come across. I talked about how I met you quickly on a previous podcast episode, but basically guys, we went to Italy for our 10 year anniversary on delay. So 11 years and we get into Delta one, which is like bougie moment. Like my husband yes. and I have been saving up our little Amex points. Yes. We got a real, and so I'm like living life in Delta one. And I like, I'm like this. And I like look up to kind of look around. Everyone is like speaking a different language. It's very she, And I was like, I see like this face, like, <laughs> (laughs) turn around to the side. She's like three rows in front. I was like, Andrew. And he, I mean, he doesn't know anything about what I do. do. I was like, "I, I know, I think I know this girl. He's like, why are you being weird? I was like, just hold on, just hold on. I was like, Taylor, 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 like I like went three grades up and you turned around and it was, I don't even remember what I said, but he was horrified for me. He's the world's biggest introvert and I truly embarrassed him, but thank you for not it making was, first me of all, feel
1: strange. First of all. Okay. So that's so funny to hear from your perspective. So Tay and I, so we were flying to Italy for my best friend Stasi and Bo's wedding. So if you watch Vanderpump Rules, you probably recognize their names. Um, but it was so funny though, because I actually brought it up to you. I was like, Oh, because a lot of times, like, I'll get people being like, oh, my God, I love you from the morning toast. Or like, I love you from Hannah Berner's podcast. Or like, "I, I love you from being on tour with Stassi. And like, to give myself credit, there are people that are like, I love you for like, when you were on Sirius XM radio. Yes. Right. But there that I do, especially now with like social media and stuff, I do get a lot of that. And like, I know I'm a public figure, but like, My friends are just like, I mean, they've got millions of followers on social media. So at this point, I'm just like really used to people being like friend of whatever. Honestly, I will be fucking friend of till the day I die. It's a great gig. Being number two, it ain't. So bad, I'm telling you, Taylor. You you are a
0: chronic underseller of yourself, girl. Seriously, I mean, listen. Oh, yeah. And I do. Listen, I have to say, I'm not a huge reality TV person. Of course, I know Stasi and I've like watched the show kind of here and there. But um, I don't know. I think there's something to somebody who has relied on their own talents and ambition to get where they are. Not that your friend, famous friends haven't. They have their own thing. But I mean, don't undersell. This is you, you know you have to. Yeah, I mean, I think I've been listening to you since. Oh God. I mean, it was when you used to use the Justin Bieber, sorry, as your bump intro, like those days on Sirius, like it was always, it was like when that song first, I don't know, long, long time. ago. I like was obsessed with that song.
1: <laughs> I was so like, it was, I so like, Was it before, was it before I came out and my yeah, divorce? It was way,
0: it was way before you came uh, out. Yeah. Okay, I was to, like. How did yeah. you
1: find, how did you like find the show Wake Up With Taylor? Cause it wasn't the, a lot of people were like, it was the Cosmo aspect of it, but. I feel like maybe just being a serious subscriber. I don't know how did you yeah serious subscriber. It? And I,
0: you know, I work in I worked in news, and my job was just generally very heavy. So I sought out, and I'm a huge talk radio person. So I would have my news stations, and then I was like, I need a moment of levity. So that's just what I I, I don't know. I just happened to flip there, and I heard your voice, which I'm sure a lot of people immediately say you have a very distinct voice, and it had a lot of energy. And I'm like, as a person in that trade, I appreciated how you could literally talk for hours, str- like no prompting, no get gu- You were great on your own. You were great with guests and I was just Thank drawn you. to your energy. Thank and you. So, yeah. Very. I mean, it's been a while since I've been listening. Does that feel weird when people say that to you?
1: <laughs> no, not at all. I actually, so I used to live in an apartment building, like a high rise in finance district before I moved to Jersey city. Shh, don't tell anybody I don't live in Manhattan anymore. And I still <laughs> like pretend I do. Um, that's like the only inauthentic thing about me. It's like, <laughs> where I live. I'm like, well, I'm still a New Yorker. But, um, so I was in the elevator and I said something like, can you press whatever floor I was going to? And the girl like looked at me and looked back. And then I must've said something to somebody else in the elevator. And then she was like, I know your voice. And that was like the coolest thing to get just recognized for just my voice. So, but yeah, she had said like, "Oh, I used to listen like two years ago, and then like I got rid of Sirius or whatever, or maybe it was when I got fired from Sirius." But she's like, "It's been a while, but like, no, I think it's all such a compliment." You know what I mean? Because if like if someone's listening on the regular, bless mm-hmm. and believe, I love that. But if somebody, it's almost I don't want to encourage people to like stop listening and then like five years later be like, "Oh my God, I still remember you." But it's like that's powerful mm-hmm. that even if somebody's not regularly checking in, they're like you're still like a recognizable memory to them. I love that. Yeah. And and
0: your, your voice, have you always had like, I mean, I'm sure even as a kid, you had a very unique voice. You also sound like someone that I really love, like a good friend of mine who happens to be from New York. And there, I don't know. Was it always something that people noticed about you? Is it like part of why you got into radio because you have such a distinct sound?
1: So it's so funny because everybody's like, oh my God, like how many packs of cigarettes do you smoke a day? And like, listen, I'm not going to sit here and lie. Like I've definitely like, I've like dabbled in social smoking, but like I am not a pack a day. I actually don't smoke cigarettes at all anymore. My wife made me quit like a million years ago. So, but everybody like kind of attributes my voice to that. It's like the ultimate party girl voice. But my mom, who is square
0: as they get, Miss Babette, she <laughs> I has love her. pretty much the exact same voice as me. I think, I, yeah, a while back, I think I listened, I, I came across randomly one of the old episodes with you and your mom from your current podcast, but I just happened to like flip back in the feed and get it. And I think I even DM'd you, was just so fucking embarrassing and stuff. No, but I was like, oh, I, no, I finally see so where there. you got, <laughs> I was like, I see where you got your voice from. It was like, it was wild to hear you guys together. Yeah. Is so- it ever weird? No, go ahead. Go ahead. Well so my
1: so my voice is like it's definitely like it, it comes straight from my mom but um it's definitely but mine's a little bit more it's the same but different you know like mm-hmm. I'm a, a little more loud spoken she's a little more soft spoken I'm really cray. She's like normal. So I feel like I. I it's a, it, It's similar. Like when you hear my mom's voice, everyone's like, oh my God, that's where you got your voice from. But I definitely think, like you said, there's like, it's more of like an energy thing too, a voice quality. But it really is the reason I got my job at Sirius. And I got my job at Sirius right out of college. I was discovered at a bar. So My best friend at the time and roommate in New York. So we were friends in college. She was a receptionist at Sirius. Her name's Nicole Ryan. She's currently still on the air at Sirius morning mashup. But Mm -hmm. when we lived in the city, she was a receptionist. And so, but she would like go on different shows and like be, you know, like a regular guest, if you will. And so like everybody at Sirius loved her. She's very like lovable, laughable. And so she started getting like a lot of radio experience and i would just go out and socialize with her and unbeknownst to us they were starting to like talent search for Cosmo Radio and like radio is very very much a boys club podcasting is way more girl friendly but radio it's it's misogynistic boys club so it was like well how are we going to find female radio talent that's like young enough to fit the brand so they were actually looking at um Mandy Moore which is so random to host Cosmo Radio, but she—they had like some issue with her on the cover, and they put the word "orgasm" next to her head, and like it just like wasn't. <laughs> she, vibe. she
0: was too square for Cosmo Radio. Yeah, pretty much. Also, yeah. Like, I sure love her money. though. I do. But I yes. love her
1: too. But I'm sure she wanted like a ton of money, which right. bless than believe she deserves it. But not the vibe they're going for. So they were kind of like trying to go rogue and figure out how they're going to find this female talent. And so this woman who got the job as programming director, her boss who actually currently runs Howard Stern, he like discovered Opie and Anthony. So this guy's like a legend in the radio industry. His name's Jeremy Coleman. So Jeremy said to this girl who was running the Cosmo radio channel, because she was like the only female programming director and Cosmo wanted to work with as many women as possible. Um, he said, you need to go to a bar. And you need to find somebody who's engaging in conversation with like, four to five plus people, but like every single person is equally engaged. And like, like you can tell that no one feels left out. Like everybody's involved. And so I just happened to be out with Nicole. I was like, who knows what substances I was on that <laughs> but I was engaging in conversations with people and holding court. And then she said she, so she saw that and then when she heard my voice, she was like, that's my girl. So actually Nicole and I auditioned together and we were supposed to be a package deal, a team. And at the end of the day, it just, it ended up being that they picked me and not her, which was a fucking nightmare.
0: Can I swear? Yes. Swear, please. Yes.
1: Um, but yeah. So, but I mean, it's also funny the way the world works out, right? Because Nicole didn't get the gig we both wanted. I went ahead and took the job. And then like a year, not even later, she was on the morning mashup and I can tell you she was on the music side. I was on the talk side, and her experience was delightful. Still, is it serious? And mine was a freaking nightmare.
0: Okay, so- I I can't even. We have to get to the fact of you being let go, not being able to say goodbye to your audience. I mean, I, I feel like people listening probably know a touch of your personal story, but. It is your personal life is so interwoven with your professional life. So can you give us the primer too on like, first of all, Cosmo radio, you were expect, I don't know if you were expected to, but you certainly shared a decent amount about your personal life, which yeah. I give you credit for. I feel like this is a separate conversation, but I feel like that is such a danger zone. For, yeah. I don't know if, if it's just, I just get this really like, especially with kids anyway. Separate conversation, but oh, trust
1: me, I might. It'll be interesting to see how we approach that aspect. Of yes, because oh my if god, I, if I've learned anything, my little sister just had a baby, and she came on my daily radio show, the Taylor Tricker show, and just like, it was really a privilege to have her come on and talk about her birthing experience, and she also has been dealing with cancer. So like, whilst pregnant. So like, oh this gosh. is like some major stuff. And she was like, I want to come on and share. It could save somebody's life. And also I, I want to share with your audience. She's also a daily listener. So like, you know, I mean, right. she, she was like, yeah, I like I'm comfortable coming on. And we did the best time ever. We talked about amazing things. She shared her cancer journey. Like she was amazing. And it was, there was like one thing that the audience just like glommed onto. And we were just talking about how we were holding my niece, her baby Scarlett so much, that you know we felt like we were making her too codependent on human touch and like maybe self-soothing was an important thing to learn it was just like a such it's a throwaway a, comment yeah throwaway no nothing comment and like the facebook page that it's not even my facebook page it's fan run it's almost like every show needs a villain i the facebook page is like the person i'm always fighting with you know and listen uh, to be fair to a lot of people that are on it most people the silent majority are amazing right but you know, the five negative people can really, it, it feels like so many more when they're just constantly posting. But anyway, but I was like, oh my God, I cannot. And my sister was upset. It was like a whole thing. Right. But I just remember being like, damn, I thought women were bad. No one can hold a candle
0: to moms. Oh, fuck. You have no idea. What? I cannot wait. I Like my kids are what? Almost 10, 8, and 5 now. And Taylor, uh, it is Next level living next level. Like my favorite game to play is who like, I'll listen to people and watch even friends from afar and I'm like who is going to self implode when they become a mother because I did. And no one told me that it was complicated And anyway, but yeah, so I would, this is unsolicited advice, but really, especially with Taylor, give some thought to what you want to do with sharing your family because I don't know. When you start crossing wires, people start thinking that they can hop in or like I have friends who have shared a ton on social media and people know their kids' names. That's not what I want. I don't like want that. I, I mean, it. I, I totally, don't know. It's I one know. thing
1: to be totally like bear it all when it's just you, right. but you kind of start to reevaluate, you know, like how yes. much my child will, you know, I used to make fun of those celebrities that were like, you know, putting emojis over their kids' faces in pictures. I'm like, get over it. But I kind of, my sister and brother-in-law are very like that with my niece. So I get it. But also I just want to be clear. I'm not saying it's not okay to do it either. I just, I, I think I might have to really like sit down and think things through before I just dive in with like, you know, bearing my soul.
0: Yeah, exactly. And you know, like, yeah, I, I should say that too. No shame, no hate or shame on people who do that. But I do really think that we are in an age of technology where we're not aware of the psychological impact of what we're doing, even even on our fully formed adult brains. And I, totally. think, and I think of how trippy it would be to go back and see my mom, even like classic, like moms will tend to, even in like casual conversation, oh, that's my crazy one. And that's my smart one. And that's my the, and, and I can just imagine going back and seeing my mom describing me away, even if it was totally innocuous at the time, and being like, you don't get to, you know, I don't know. Don't talk to me. I'm a major fucking overthinker. I'm literally like type A, capital A, bold, italic, everything. It's just, that's, that's, I think overthink everything, but it is something to think about, you know? Yeah, definitely. Uh, so bring us up to speed on your personal story and how you were married before you went through a divorce. You kind of couldn't say too much I'm serious. You're remarried now to a woman. Yes. You yes. are what you jokingly call a late in life, lesbian, a Lil. Yes. Um, so <laughs> tell us how, like, how weird was that to go through what I would imagine was a really, I mean, big personal revelation in front of a microphone, essentially.
1: So to going back to the, orig- like the, the question you had asked before about, you know, sharing so much. So, it was just so natural to share my life. But then, and it was like, and listen, I would talk about like fights with my, I call him now husband, my ex-husband was my husband. But I talked like when we were married, I'd talk about like fights that we had. I would like talk about friend issues that I had going on. Mm-hmm. Um, So, and I never really thought twice about it, but then I was for the first time in my life in a situation. So I was... I w- always dated men. I never even crossed my mind that I was bisexual or a lesbian or what have you. I was raised very conservative and Catholic. My therapist that I worked with, like, before the divorce, he was basically like, I feel like you didn't even let yourself go there, you know?
0: Like, do I just feel like you were Do so- you agree? Like, do you think that- Was your? I'm a Catholic too, so I get the- sort of baked in like yeah. rule book that we get handed. Like, do you think now that you look back, was there some sort of unconscious bias <laughs> being passed on to you? Or was it just because you didn't know any gay people? So you didn't know it was a thing. I mean, like, what do you think now that you, know, you look back?
1: I like, I really, here's the thing is that I feel like everybody thinks of, like a coming out story, like, Oh my God, you kept that hidden. And you kept this piece of yourself. You know, you, it was a big secret. You were closeted. I lived about a year of my life closeted and I was an adult. I never had any inclination whatsoever but when I look back I'm like oh maybe that was like a it wasn't just a. I want to be your friend crush or like I wish I were you crush like Kate Bosworth went to my high school my public mm-hmm. high school so I was like obsessed with her and my first real boyfriend I dated was her boyfriend before and she kind of set us up and like I actually think if it weren't for her like I was like into dating him to be her friend <gasps> that's but I thought, interesting. I know, but I'm like, but does that mean that I wanted to like date her or hook up with her? I really in my like I really don't. I feel like I wanted to, if anything,
0: be her. Mm-hmm. Do that makes sense. Makes total sense. And I think there is um. an an egotistical part to the relationships that we choose. There's a self-serving part of all of that. And I think, you know, who's to say like what the the line is, what the boundary is between who we want to be and who we want to be with. And I think, I don't know, I I personally think all of that exists on a spectrum anyway. And that, you know, it's probably only becoming a little more socially acceptable to Mm -hmm. like acknowledge that and even then probably only for women, but uh, it's just interesting to me. I'm like, you know, as someone who is married to a man and who has always known sort of what I like and who I like, I do, you know, I'm just so curious about how it must've felt for you. Like you said to not even have this coming out of the closet moment, but realizing like, Holy shit. I Well, it's all hindsight at this point, you know? So like, so that's like an
1: example, like, 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 it makes me go like, well, maybe people that I thought I was just obsessed with, I, like, actually wanted to be with. But I, I I, still can't give a definitive answer. I will say, though, that I have realized that when it came to dating, I never went after guys. I was always, like, whoever wants me. Mm-hmm. Again, that behavior in dating doesn't make you a closet lesbian. Right. I, like, I feel a <laughs> lot of women tend to do that. That's like, the Disney fairy tale bullshit. Yes. We were waiting um, to be saved, kind of. Absolutely. But mm. I definitely, um, like... Even my mom recently was like, you never dated, like I never got the guys that you were with or dated and like it kind of makes sense now cuz maybe deep down inside you like were picking the wrong guys cuz none of the guys were right. Mm-hmm. Again though, these are all kind of just like therapy points, like things to ponder. Um I don't really have a definitive an answer and even if somebody was like, are you a lesbian? Are you bisexual? Uh- I don't know. You know, I used to joke that I'm, like, Taylor sexual. So I'm only attracted to people named Taylor. My wife's name is also Taylor. But I don't know. I just – I guess the thing I would be would be, like, pansexual. I think I just really fall in love with the person. But then again, it's like I met a lot of incredible women who were my friends, and there was never any interest in making anything more. So I – yeah, I really – I don't know in regard to like where I even am on the sexual spectrum. You know what I mean?
0: I feel I know- like, it, am I like getting overly personal? I'm just no, so. Sort of, okay. No. I'm sorry. Please tell me because I have all these like deep questions for people. And I, you know, I don't want to make you feel like, oh God, who is Hero. this chick and well, why is she asking? I'm
1: genuinely that? trying to think it through because like, I, I like, I don't even, it's, it's weird to not be able to even know exactly what the answers are but I will say this when I met Tay I have never Hmm. felt that way about a person ever in my life and like when we started to like move it onto a relationship and it got physical that was like I've like I literally thought people hated sex like I was like everyone hates sex they're lying or if you like sex you're stupid like I was such a prude and when I was with her I was like oh I get it like this is like this is a very deep connection it's fun it's safe um, it's like enjoyable. Like I, it clicked for like the first time in my life. So
0: yeah, I so guess. It makes sense. Yeah. Wait, how was it going from like P's to V's? I'm like, sorry to get really, really Yeah, yes. I mean, that's like a big thing. At least when you're straight, you can just kind of lay there. <laughs> totally. Right. You can. You can. I mean, sometimes I'm just like, you know what, just do what you want to do. I'm like, You know, but you really can't do that in like I would imagine. I don't know.
1: I mean, maybe (laughs) I could be. But um, but I will say that um yeah, I it was really scary because like I was first attracted to Taylor and like uh maybe like I'm newly separated and uh, you know i my friends are gonna set me up on dates with guys. I kind of like this friend of mine's a lesbian. I'm like kind of drawn to her. All of our friends would joke, joke that like she would turn all of us into lesbians. <laughs> and so I was like, well, I just kind of like want to make out with her. I was just like curious. And that was the first time I'd ever felt that in my life. So I was like, I'm just going to like ask her if we should make out. And she like rejected me brutally and was like, we're really good friends. You need all the friends you can get right now. Because like in the divorce, I lost like so so many people.
0: Yeah, that's hard.
1: So she was like, and I really lose interest quickly. So I, we like open that can of worms and then like, I lose interest. Like, who do you have to be your friend? And I was like, good point. So we like shelved it, but then not far after we were together on a trip and she was kind of like, fuck it. I've, oh, since the day I met you, I was attracted to you. I knew you were married. So I just like, let it go. Um, but like, I'm kind of scared because as a lesbian, she's like, a lot of times with straight women. It's like a novice thing. And It's like a fun flash of the pan, but like a lot of like lesbians end up hurt and they almost feel like it's like they're using an experiment. Right. And so she was like, I was really scared to like go down that path with you, but like, I really think that this is something we can make work. And like in true lesbian form, it was like, okay, fine, we can make up, but we have to be (laughs) girlfriends. And I'm like,
0: like, is that how it is? Like the commitment is near instantaneous?
1: Yes. And I was like, (laughs) I have to get like, it was, I'm like, I just got a divorce. Like I, I really, when I got a divorce, was like, I'm going to live in financial district for one year. I have enough money to like pay this exorbitant rent on my own and I'm going to find another rich dude. I mean, (laughs) I'm not proud of it, but that's what my plan was. I love your candor. Yeah. So she was not in my five-year plan and all I wanted to do was just hook up and that was it. Maybe even just kiss, right? So I, I kind of was like a fuck boy. Like I lied to her. Like I was like, yeah, we're together. And I'm like, no, we're not. I can, like, let me give a secret. So, but every day she just continued to make me like more and more and more happy. And I just grew more and more in love with her. And so, you know, after I would say probably, I don't know, six months, I was like, this is my life. This is the person I'm choosing. Now I have to figure out how to consolidate that with my friends and my family right. and my audience.
0: Yeah, I mean, was that a, like who were you more nervous about telling that to, everyone. like your audience, your family? I mean,
1: everyone in different in
0: different yeah. ways. So like, yeah.
1: So that's the thing is you were saying like about having a private life. So for a long time, my life was I think just so normal that like yeah, there were problems here and there, but they were just like normal, like easy. Right. So like, like, um, like everyone
0: goes through them. Let's just like make a joke about it. Kind of.
1: Exactly. Stuff. Very yeah. relatable things. Relatable. Nothing like yeah. too over the top that I couldn't handle. But then when I got a separation, this was the first time that I was silenced by other people. So when I got, so when we got separated, which of course led to the divorce, my lawyers were like, you can't talk about this in your radio show. And I was like, Be-
0: why? Because they were scared of how it could implicate you or change the what, divorce proceedings or something like that. So they said that if you end up going to court
1: for like, God knows what, you know, like hopefully right. it's a clean, quick, fast, easy peasy divorce. But if there's issues and you have to go to court and a judge finds out that you talked about right. your relationship, even at all, like it's not going to really bode well in your favor. So like, certainly do like, but I'm like, I just need to address to my audience that I'm, we're broken up and they're like, don't do it. So I had to wait. So I couldn't even address that we were even broken up until the divorce was finalized by a judge that takes a long time. So I'm on the air doing what I do, bearing my soul. And my audience was like, something's off. Something's Mm -hmm. weird. Also in social media, I don't see husband at the time husband. Mm -hmm. And I had people that were mad. Like they were like, why are you telling us the truth? You're lying to us. And I would kind of go in there and be like, guys, please read between the lines. I will tell you everything when I'm able to. Sometimes people are in situations where it's out of their control, what they can and can't talk about. Like, read between the lines. You guys are smart. So people eventually got it. But like, that was a really weird thing for me, like going from sharing everything um, to not being able to share anything. And it was really difficult for me. And then I started getting really worried about my brand because my brand really was like bearing it all. And, and, and that was the first time I like was broadcast. So when I was broadcasting about not, not telling the audience that I was separated or then divorced, it was like, I knew eventually I would be able to, you know? And so the second the divorce finalized, I was like, you guys are smart. You guys are right. We're done. We've been done for this many months. And I explained Here are the reasons why I couldn't tell you guys. But now at this point, I'm like pretty much in a significant couple months long relationship with Taylor Donahue. And I'm like, I definitely can't come out. Cause like, A, my parents and I are not okay. My parents are not okay with the whole thing. They're having a really hard time. I'm like just starting to tell my friends. And also like if I announce that I'm with a woman after I announce my divorce, people didn't think that I got a divorce because I'm a lesbian and that's not my story. That's not my right. narrative. Right. And so, and also it was like, it wasn't fair to me because I felt like I had real trauma and stories from my marriage that I wanted to also share with the audience. Cause I wanted like, I like to like those who can't teach. Right. So if I'm like going through something hard, the only thing that makes it easier to get through that hard thing is to know that I can share my story and I can help maybe prevent somebody from getting that situation or seeing the red flags quicker or letting somebody know that like I relate to them and that there is a way out kind
0: of a thing. And I do think a lot of, people. I know I was curious too, um, as a listener and as a follower of just generally your story, like what were the red flags, what were, and how did you know that that was done?
1: Um, so I would say, so I tried to call off the wedding before we got married. We were engaged for a year and a half and I called the wedding planner. I was like, I really think we should postpone it. And she was like, listen, if you want to call it off, call it off. But if you want to postpone it, like, that's really dumb. Either get married or get it, or, or call it off. It's fine. That's a good point.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she
1: was like, but it's like postponing is like all the financial damage of, right. you know, canceling. But like, then you're just prolonging the process. So, mm-hmm. and I was like in my late 20s and I was like, well, calling off a wedding is breaking up. Right. And I wasn't ready to do that. So I just got married and was like, I guess we'll figure it out. But it all started, the second we got engaged is when all the shit started hitting the fan. And I was fighting with his family about the dumbest wedding details. And it's, the thing, too, is it's dumb. It's a fucking, you know, the length of a dress, the color right. of a dress, the fabric right. of a dress. Um, but it was indicative to me of, like family dynamics in that particular family and how things were expected to go down. And I was like, I can't live my life like this because this yeah. isn't going to stop with the bridesmaids' dresses. This is going to be children. This is going to be holidays. This is going to be like and also he worked for a family company. So oh, I'm like, yeah. this is like it's going to be finances. Like this is going to be forever. And I, you know, I was just I saw a side to things that I didn't see
0: when we were just dating. If you um, could go back, would you have called it off or do you think no. that you needed that? Yeah. You needed to be in the relationship to know that it wasn't right.
1: I needed it because like I'm somebody, if I don't try, like I have to give it the college try like right. 10 times over. Because if I don't, then yeah. I will regret and question my decision. I need to be like so pissed off that I know this is the right decision to make.
0: Same. Yeah. So, Are you yeah. on speaking terms now
1: or civil terms? No. Or there's, I guess there's no um, need to be, but- well, yeah, I mean, he did reach out to me. Okay, so after I announced the divorce, um, him and I were really amicable. Um, he would, like, drop off my mail at my apartment and stuff like that. We, like, went out a couple times for drinks. So weird. Like, just so weird. Like, so hey, weird. what are you doing? Who are you seeing? Meanwhile, I'm also in this relationship now with somebody. He, he actually knew Taylor. She was, like, a new friend of mine. So he knew her. So... And I'm like, listen, New York City's small. I'm sure, like, the rumor mill has already started to churn. But, like, I don't know. I was, like, I felt like I was, like, keeping this big secret from it. It was just very strange. Right,
0: right. So,
1: um, but, so, it was a whole year from the time that her and I basically started dating to the time that I came out. So, I announced that I was divorced. And then, basically, an entire year later, I announced that I was in this same-sex relationship. So when I came out I was out, listening
0: that morning, by the way,
1: that was like the scariest thing I've ever done in my entire life. Way scarier than getting married to the wrong person. Way scarier than getting a divorce. I thought getting a divorce, was the hardest thing I've ever done coming out is the scariest, hardest thing, but it's kind of a beautiful thing because it's like when, when you have experienced like that level of like fear and shame and guilt, and just, you're overwhelmed with all these negative feelings. On the other side, it's, like, so good. When you do Mm -hmm. something really, really hard, it really, like, makes the sweet that much sweeter. So, Mm -hmm. like, as hard as coming out is, it's actually, like, a glorious experience. So if there's anybody listening who's, like, maybe in a position where they're going to be coming out or they're thinking of it, like, it's scary as shit, but it's, like, the most rewarding thing in the entire world.
0: At least it was for me. Yeah. I mean, and, and yeah, I commend you. I mean, that's really, really difficult. And anyone who has like a front facing job knows that there is the audience or the people listening or watching, they expect a certain amount of personal information. And I know you really did have to sort of as part of your job, but, um, I give you a lot of credit because that's, um, that's hard. I've had friends who have recently come out, married to a man, got divorced with a woman now and you know, in their thirties in their forties. And it's not even not scary then it's like, you know, it's, I give you a lot of credit and you literally did it in front of a microphone. Um, well, I will
1: say, I will say I'm going to give my audience credit for that bravery because, you know, so I come out to my, well, I didn't come to my parents. My mom outed me. Like I was just like, I'm, yeah, I was like, I'm going to hook up with Taylor and do whatever I want to do and live my life. And slowly I'll tell my friends. But I, even that I was kind of like, it was just private. It was between us and I was enjoying Mm -hmm. our alone time. So I basically ripped her back in the closet, which is not cool, but alas, that's what I did. Um, And then I went home to visit my parents, my family, and my mom picked me at the airport and she's like, you're spending a lot of time with that Taylor Donahue friend of yours. And I'm like, yeah. And my mom was like, are you in love with her? and i was like oh my god cuz i'm like at this point i'm like in my like almost mid 30s i wanted to lie to my mommy yeah but also it's not her fucking business you know And i this love her bitch like, it's
0: not <laughs> yeah, my yeah. bitch
1: with all due respect mom it's not your business like yeah, if i was yeah. like, let's say if, like i got home and she was like so are you like hooking up with a different guy every night it's like that's not your business <laughs> just, yeah
0: awkward. but
1: um so i was like yeah i am i think i am in love with her and it was like i mean next level <laughs> was,
0: was it, it was, really? It,
1: it was really brutal, but I will say this <sighs> too. My mom has been on, like, if you're listening to the story and you're interested, my mom was on Taste of Taylor. Um, it, I think it's called Two Tailors Are Better Than One. That's a podcast mm-hmm. that I had her on because she's been on a bunch of times. But Two Tailors Are Better Than One, we talk about my coming out, and she- Like, it's like a mea culpa. She's like, I am so sorry. I was the worst. She's like, if my friend told me they did what I did, I would be like, what's wrong with you? Um, So she's so great. And that's the thing too, is I think it's really important for people who are going to come out and tell their families and they're a little bit worried to know that like, not, I think people think it's either like, send you away to gay camp or never talk to you again. Or they're like, oh my God, we knew we've just been waiting. I think more people lay in the middle. Like my parents weren't like, gonna disown me and horrible like that but they were just like having a really hard time like even understanding it and not and but, right. like, but like they were like you you went through a divorce like maybe you're not thinking clearly like they were just having a really hard time but they came around and I mean yeah. I always joke but they like love Taylor he more than they love me like they <laughs> adore her she and like they they have said a million times over how sorry they are they have said a million times over how like she is the greatest addition to our family like we are like their favorite couple like they think that we're such a great match so you know, it like that's the good news too, is even if it's not great when it first happens, there's like hope and a light at the end of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. But so, you know, like I said, I, I was, I was in the closet for like a year. And then I was like my, I was so at this point, my mom and dad were like, okay with it. Not great, but okay. They met Tay's family, great. which was nice. Cause our families are very similar, but it was like, it was the 4th of July weekend before I was about to come out on the air and I knew it was coming out of the air, but I hadn't told them. And it was like coming out all over again because it was like, and, but I remember my mom had said to me a couple of times, like, you know, just because you have a public job doesn't mean that you have to share every ounce of your personal life. And I was right. like, yeah, but like, I love this person and I want to shout out from the rooftop, but also like it is, that is my job and that is my brand. And I've always give my audience everything. And so I just knew that it was going to be hard for my mom and my dad to like have me come out in the air, but like. I knew that I owed it to my audience. And also I owed it to myself. Like they were the thing that gave me the courage or like maybe the um, like lit the fire into my ass to do it without them even knowing, right? But I was like, and I was worried. I'm like, if I come out, does that change who I, who I am in their eyes? Does it make people not want to listen to me? Like, am I going to lose my job? Like I was really scared. And, mm-hmm. but then I thought, you know, but I don't know if that will happen. But what I know will happen is if I am leaving a secret life and the audience finds out, I will lose all credibility. So that's kind of what encouraged me to rip the bandit off and come out on the air.
0: You know, and I do think going back to the motherhood thing, like as you guys start your journey to becoming parents, I think it'll make you a really much more empathetic and understanding and the type of parent who proactively sort of reaches out to your kid and is like, hey, you know, just so you know, no matter what kind of thing, um, you know, because that is like, even as adults, we worry about what our parents think about us or, you know, totally, totally grown ups. But I mean, there is an element of that dynamic that never goes away. So I don't know. I think you handled it with such grace and seeing you guys in person, obviously having listened to you sporadically in the beginning of your career and now through your podcast and hearing Taylor on the podcast and sort of understand, like hearing guys from afar and then seeing you, t- like you can, You are one of those couples that do really emanate like a good energy together. Like you know, you you. see couples interact, and they're this is like I don't know. It's just kind of a weird energy, or like you can tell one annoys the other. Like you guys are, I know because that was all my other relationships. Like, oh my god,
1: that's the thing too. I think sometimes people are like, well, it must just be that person, but it's like it's the combination and the chemistry Mm -hmm. between the two because. When I was with husband, yeah. like we were the couple that people would be like, we consider not inviting you because you fight so much.
0: <gasps> oh no. Yeah. I love them for their honesty. But wow. I know. So was it like all the time like that?
1: Oh my God. It was so it was just like, and it wasn't even like important fighting. It was like dumb yeah. bickering. I almost like I, I'm at a point where I almost think he thought it was cute and
0: endearing. Yeah. And it I mean wasn't. don't you look back on your younger self? And I do this in other contexts, and I'm like, what like Like the shit that I tolerated or the things that I thought were normal or the relationships that I endured because I thought I had to to like get to it. I'm like, what the fuck was I thinking for so long? Do you ever have those moments? I know you said you went through stuff to kind of get to where you are, but don't you kind of look at your younger self and you're like, ah, if I ever have a daughter or even a son, like the things that I want to tell them about how to not waste their time.
1: You know what's so crazy? I I I hate people who say like I regret nothing. Cause it's like, how? That means you've like lived a perfect life. But I actually will say that I kind of, I'm going to say that mm-hmm. I'm so happy I went through every single thing because there is yeah. no way I would have ever been ready in like my early 20s, even maybe like late 20s, early, early 30s for, I would never have been open enough for this love with Taylor. Right. Like, I don't think, like, had I actually am grateful for everything I went through with him. Honestly, it was like less him and more about like the family dynamics for me. mm mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But like, I, like, I need to be pissed off enough to make the decision right. to end the relationship, you know? And I, now that yes. I look back, since 2020, we were not soulmates. And the thing is, I just said this to somebody the other night. If the roles were reversed and what I experienced with his family, I was experiencing with Taylor, I'd put up with it. Yeah. Love this <sighs> so, but I'm grateful for everybody, you know, being the way that they were because had everything just kind of been like copacetic? I don't think I would have had that fire under my butt to get mm-hmm. out of the relationship. And I, I, I would have woken up someday and said, yeah. like, we're settling for each other and we're not each other's people. And like, it, that, that's very mutual. And when I did finally, we finally, like, you know, got the divorce and I told him I wanted a separation and a divorce. His initial reaction was he was blindsided, which I don't understand how, but whatever. That's his truth. But like a couple of days later, he said to me in our apartment, because I we were like, you know, still living together for a while. And he was like, Thank you for having the strength to do what I couldn't do.
0: Wow. So oh he my wasn't gosh. happy either,
1: you know? And I mean I yeah. get it. Like when someone's fighting with your family constantly and your family is your business, like that's stressful.
0: That's so stressful. And they say you marry the family and you only hear that as a phrase until you're married. And then you're like, oh wait, yeah, you actually do. do."
1: Unless your family, the family lives completely across the country or like a long distance away. If the family is local, like you're marrying the family. Period, end of story. And so I guess that's like a life lesson I would like pass on to a child. Like right. if my child was getting serious, somebody and they're like having problems with the in-laws, I would be like, this is a danger zone. I'm telling you, yeah. think long and hard enough. But like, I definitely feel like, you know, I really struggle with um, um, self-love and self-esteem. It's like my biggest struggle in life. And I feel like for a long time I was attracting the wrong friends, the wrong significant others, because I didn't love myself. Um, and so you kind of like, if you're like hating on yourself, you're kind of attracting a little bit of that hate, you know, in Mm -hmm. other people. Yes. And I feel like the biggest act of self-love I ever did was say to myself, you're getting a divorce. Mm -hmm. You deserve more than this. You deserve to be happy. You will get it. It's going to be okay. Like believe in yourself. Cause that was, that was a really big step. And I think that's, it happens to be like when I was able to fall in love with Tay and I was even open to that. Cause I think I was like in this, this big cul-de-sac of just like self love. And so I was like, and it was a blip, let's be clear. Cause I still struggle with it. But you know how people are like, you can't find your right person until you love yourself. I believe yes. it to a point, but I just think I got really lucky with timing because, you know, Tay really helps me to like see myself better and love myself more. It's, oh, it's still a struggle. Um, but I think in that act of self-love, I was able to be in a position where I was attracting somebody like Tay into my life.
0: I love that you guys are open about therapy too. I'm a huge proponent individually, couples, done it all, love it all. Um, And I like that you're open, you know, here I am being like, oh, I'm so scared to share anything about myself, but I'm like, no, share more of your life, Taylor. But I do love how, how open you are about that in particular. And I always say, it's the people who say therapy is weird, who need the therapy the most, you know, but I love that we get that peek into your, your guy's life and relationship.
1: Yeah, we actually just started because, like, sometimes I'll have Tay on my podcast, Taste of Taylor, and I know, like, the audience loves our dynamic. And, you know, she's kind of like, I'm not a podcaster. Like, she she resists. She fights me hard. Um, but every time she comes on, we kind of end up having this banter where we end up talking a lot about our therapy sessions, which I love. So just recently, we've kind of, like, branded it as – um.
0: A therapy thumping. Yes. Like (laughs) Bible thumping thumping, go with therapy. I love it. Yeah. So
1: once a month, she's going to be on Taste of Taylor and we're going to be talking about like, you know, stuff that we've gone through. Um, we're going to be talking about, like, we also, um, if you go to my website, taylorstrecker.com, the mobile version is under construction right now, but like the web on a computer version works. Mm -hmm. Um, you can just like actually leave a voicemail and you can either, it can just be like a comment about the show. We got a couple just the other day, or you can actually like submit your own issues and your own questions. Um, so we're going to be tackling our relationship stuff, tackling your relationship stuff and, um, you know, our therapist is amazing. We have so many friends. I even have listeners reach out and they're like, Oh my God, your therapist sounds so incredible. Can I like get a referral? And she's just not seeing more patients. She's kind of like in a Mm semi-retirement. So I'm like, well, if we can't bring our therapist to you, then I guess we can bring what we've learned from our therapist to all y'all. So that's kind of what we've been doing lately.
0: And I'm like, it's kind of brand new, but like, I'm like really feeling it. I'm into it. I'm feeling it. Yes. I like those episodes. I don't know. I always like the solo episode. (laughs) What was the one you just did? Miss codependent cracked oh, me up. God. Oh my God. I mean, just. <laughs> <laughs> I, it was, I, I don't know, the the ones where I feel like we get to know you guys a little bit better. I do, I know I'm running out of time and I told you a short amount, but if I could just quickly ask you about your impending journey toward motherhood, I'm like yes. so curious about this. Um, you guys are starting mm. the process soon. How's it looking? How's it going? How are we feeling?
1: So we're picking sperm donors. That's like something that we're, we're going to be working with California Cryobank, which is the greatest. I actually discovered them through Dear Media because they were doing ads mm-hmm. and I did an interview with them. And then we looked into it and like everyone we know that has a child through like, you know, this type of process, they all use California Cryobank. So if anybody's interested, that's my number one recommendation. Um, And whether or not we are working with them, full disclosure, whether or not we were working with them, we'd still be using California Cryobank. We're just fortunate enough to get to work with them, um, you know, collaboratively. But um, so we're going through the process of picking a sperm donor. And once we've settled on that, we actually have an IVF appointment next Thursday. So I don't really know what that means.
0: I feel like it means the beginning of shots. I know people who did IVA. I mean, like who's carrying Taylor, other Taylors Okay.
1: So I am almost 40. So listen, I will be lucky if I have viable eggs. So we're going to go, I'm, yeah. we're going to get an egg count for me. If I'm in a good position, I'm going to, as an insurance policy, mm. definitely freeze my eggs.
0: Yes. Do it. He
1: just turned 35. And a lot of doctors have said like, they're not really that concerned about the IVF route for her like she's in an age bracket where they think that she's pretty a viable contendant for like we get the sperm like literally this is crazy so California Cryobank once we pick our sperm donor can send us a vial like overnight in like a turkey baster essentially (laughs) and we could like make a fire and have like a romantic night and I could literally artificially inseminate her at home I love it. It's But so... she doesn't want to do that. She's like, I don't trust you. I want to go to a doctor's office. But like, so that's what we're, that, that's what we are right now. She's going to carry. No, okay. even if I have the most viable eggs in the world, right. she is still going to carry. Um, she like craves it, needs it, wants yeah. to do it. And I watch my mom so sick during pregnancy and I am scarred. I do not need to go through the morning sickness, which by the way, is just all day sickness. My mom threw up the entire pregnancy with my little brother.
0: Yeah. That's the hard part about being like a sibling older enough to have seen a younger sibling being born. You probably got like a real, a real dose of reality. What traits are we looking for? Like in the sperm donor? Like, is there, is there like a non-negotiable as far as education or looks or like, how are you choosing?
1: You know, I'm a vain bitch. So I'm definitely looks are important. (laughs) um Tay's like six feet tall so I wouldn't be mad at getting a taller sperm donor because then it's like I mean listen as a five foot four lady I would not be mad I like I know when you're in middle school it's not fun being six feet tall but like it's fun being six feet tall woman or man so yeah I wouldn't be mad about the height I feel like though like the face is the most important Mm -hmm. you know um and then education kind of is really important. I mean, my, my her brother went to Harvard. My brother went to Harvard. Like we're a little bit education-y snobs. Not that I went to Harvard, but you know, when someone <laughs> in your family goes to Harvard, it actually means that you technically did too. It's um, in your gene
0: pool. Yes. Yes.
1: <laughs> so and we've got lots of doctors in the family. So education is important. So I would say like good punim, a little bit of height, nice bod situation, and then education. And then I guess you can even like look into their health and like their family's health and mm-hmm. you know um, mental health, so things like that. And it's like there's no guarantees in life, but you know, right. giving your kid when you're in a position to give your kid like the 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 best. I'm jealous. Yeah, why not? <laughs> yes. I, I mean, know. listen. I
0: know I picked my partner, so I technically like knew what I was getting, but like the level of personalization is actually quite nice. Well, I'm unless you know, it.
1: like, heart disease runs in your family, so you're already like we're already fifty percent right. in on that. Right, like making sure to pick somebody who doesn't have a history of that in their family. So it's like, it kind of levels it out. Like things like that, we're
0: going to be definitely looking into. How are you feeling about the like lifestyle change, the impending like changes to your schedule? And I know you're busy (sighs) with work and I know Taylor's busy with work. Like, what is that like? You brought up a good point on your last episode, the therapy one you did with Taylor, which was like straight couples, like you just, Get pregnant, and yeah. it's sure the upside is it's simple. But like, there's like no time to really prep, especially if it's a surprise pregnancy. Right, you're just like, holy shit! So this is happening. You guys are in the unique position of like, you're like knowing that the plane is landing, it's and bad. you're like, it's it's, lo- I it's wish, like it's stressful by mistake
1: get pregnant because, yeah. and listen, grass is always greener, right? But it's. Like- <laughs> I'm, I am like, so a failure to launch. So I said to Tate, like, listen, I want a Chanel bag. I find a way to get a Chanel bag. You want a baby. So you have to like, you have to fly this plane. You have to like be the captain of the ship because if it's left to my hands, it will never get done. It's not that I don't want them. I just don't. I'm so scared for the lifestyle change. And I'm so happy in our life. I love our apartment, not baby friendly. I love our relationship. I'm sure it will be enhanced by a child, but like, I just, I like, I love traveling and seeing our friends. And I just, I I finally feel like I'm in a position financially where I'm not worried about money. I finally feel like we got this. And it's like, you know what we should do? Have a baby and fuck it all up. Fuck it all
0: up. I'm like,
1: I'm definitely scared. I'm scared. But I also know that like, I am not getting any younger. Luckily, Tate is younger. So it kind of gives me like a little bit more of a, um, of like a, like a, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a safety net. Right. But like, that's why sperm donor we're going to find. And then for me, the IVF, like freezing the eggs because like, and here's the thing too, I think I might be fine with one child. I really yeah. do. Um, but what if watching her be pregnant and watching the childbirth and being a mom makes me go like, damn it. Now I
0: actually would want my own and she's willing to carry it. Like what? I mean, I will say this, not that you ask for the advice, but once you crack the egg and it's, I don't know, anything after one, it's kind of gravy. You're like, we did it. You know, I don't know. That's just my thought. And plus, they bother you less when they have someone to play with.
1: Yeah, it's like getting two puppies.
0: Yeah, you know, no one. You don't ever just like do one thing. I don't know. I shouldn't say that. All these people listening who have one kid or me. I'm not judging you. Okay, I'm just saying. For me, I'm lazy, and I wanted someone else to take care of my child. So I had two other (laughs) babysitting
1: babysitting babies. Right. Oh
0: yes, it's so fun. Well, I I know I'm so excited to hear you guys share whatever you're going to be sharing through that journey, and just cheering you on. So. Taylor, thank you for spending so much time with me today and letting me bully you into this. I, I'm sure people know where to find you, but please tell us any of your podcast, um, your Patreon stuff, all that stuff, so we can watch you.
1: Okay. So follow me at Taylor Strecker on Instagram. Um, and then, yeah, so I have a weekly podcast with Dear Media. It's free. It's called Taste of Taylor. A new episode's out every Thursday. And then I have a daily talk show on Patreon. It's called The Taylor Strecker Show. It is uh, behind a paywall, it's a subscription-based show, but it is great. I have like a rotation of 11 incredible co-hosts and uh, it's almost like a secret society clubhouse. We're like, because we're behind the paywall, we like really bear it all. But, um, and you can actually catch catch a lot of those co-hosts on Taste of Taylor. They, they're like regular guests as well. So yeah, check it out. And thank you so much for having me. Like I felt truly an instant connection when I met you on that flight. And just I want to say this at the beginning, but I went on a tangent as I tend to do. But it was so funny because Tay and I had just upgraded to first class that day because we were like kind of waiting last minute to see like if maybe the rates would change drastically. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of like universe stuff where like they allow me to go on Tay's like family whatever, because she's like gold status and I'm not. Mm -hmm. So they like gave me a massively reduced rate. And then they were having a really hard time getting Tay to get that seat. We were like on the way to the airport trying to get oh my the together. And, um, and the woman finally was like, honestly, I can't override the system. So I'm just going to give you the ticket for free.
0: Oh, so I mean, it how it nice was three, it too? Oh.
1: First class upgrade. I was dying, but it was so nice. And yeah, I, I don't normally fly, uh, in that luxury either, but like, so t- we were like, skipping onto the plane we were like so happy it was taste first time ever flying first class so we were like and we were like documented all for like my patreon because we did this like big italy video but so we were like flying high and then to sit down and then to have you like somebody who is so gorgeous and so fabulous also in first class be like hey girl hey i you literally <laughs> made my year. You have no idea. So thank you. Truly. It was
0: fun. I think we might've been at the same hotel too. Were you at Hotel de Russie by chance?
1: No, we went there. That's where Stassi and Bo's rehearsal dinner was. So they okay. were at Hotel de I thought rehearsal. I saw like, like
0: Cruz or something sniffing around the building and I was like, Oh my gosh, maybe they're here. Oh yeah. That but, yeah. was
1: definitely them. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Oh my
0: gosh. Well, Taylor, you are a joy. Um, You need to think highly of yourself and stop you. putting your, you are just amazing and, the energy thank you bring to show is awesome. So thank you again for coming on. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of We Gotta Talk. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. And follow along on Instagram at Sunny Abatta. S-O-N-N-I-A-B-A-T-T-A. All of the latest blog posts are at wegotatalk.com slash blog.